opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello everyone and welcome to Doing Braille Digitally for May 13th, 2023. Uh, I am your facilitator, Nikki, and if you decide you would like to, um, if you would like to email me, you can do so at doingbrailledigitally at gmail.com. We'd love to have anybody who would like to present and talk about their favorite Braille display and, you know, methods for using it, what they use it for, and any other topic that might be of interest with doing Braille digitally. And also, today we are going to have, well, first of all, I'm sorry, I would like to thank Brad for broadcasting us, connecting us in Clubhouse, uh, moderating and streaming. And I also would like to thank Herbie for helping us out a little bit here today. And that's unofficial, but still, thanks. And I would like to thank Danette for being our host in Zoom today. Today we have a special presentation that I have been looking forward to and that is going to be Alan Holst who is going to be talking to us about useful ways to use a braille display on your Mac and I have a lot of trouble with this so I am looking forward to this presentation. So I am going to hand things over now to Alan to get started on his presentation. Thank you, Nikki. And um, Brad, please do let me know if anything isn't going right, because it all sounds right on this end. Um, I have four audiences in mind for this presentation. Um, and I've thought about it a lot. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. I have a lot of history in this uh, Braille business, and I, I don't want to be too autobiographical other than to say my history goes back almost 40 years. Um, so history, one, one audience, the, the way outside ring of the target is people who are interested in history. And we can talk about that a little if you want. The, the next ring in is actually people who use Braille displays on things other than Macs. Like if you use it on Windows or something. Because the, the concept I'm going to be talking about today is about putting um, handles on tools. And... I think Braille as a medium is extremely useful when we can control our environments, but it, often we don't think we're in control of things and we actually can be. My second audience is people who use Macs, but aren't necessarily using a Braille display. And the reason is today is really all about putting a handle on a tool. Just like if you think about one of those screwdrivers that you unscrew the lid and inside you've got, you know, 15 or 20 bits, um, you know, uh, screw heads. That's exactly what we're talking about today. So while I'm specifically going to focus on Braille, I want it to be clear that if you are not a Braille user, the concept I'm talking about applies across Apple's universe. And, of course, my most significant audience is Nikki and people like her, people who are using um, Macs and would like to uh, be able to use their Braille display. Um, I, I really want to compliment everyone who is here because the people who are using Braille, unfortunately, it's too small a part of the blind community. And people who use it digitally, that's an even smaller subset. So we're, we're talking about a very, very small group. And... Um, 
I, I hope that we can stand on each other's shoulders. I'm pretty good at putting handles on tools. What I'm not so good at, Herbie is good at, and I think there are other people around, I think Brad is pretty good at this, is understanding how what Apple means by its cryptic rel, uh, reference to tools in the tool shed. And we'll get to that a little later on. I, I'm eager to fit as much in in the hour that we have. Um, I did promise someone earlier that I would give information about Leo Drell. And if you don't have a note taker, I would urge you to grab one because we're going to cover a lot of stuff today. And while I love dialogue, um, some of what I'm going to do is pre-recorded. So if you have a question, write it down. We'll hopefully get to it by the end. Leo Drell is a um, guy who has been in this industry uh, as long as I can remember. Um, he worked for VTech. He worked for... Uh, uh, for Telesensory when it was uh, when it acquired VTech, he did service for Freedom Scientific, um, and he knows all of these devices. So his phone number is, and I haven't had a chance to check with him because I've just been too busy on things, but his phone number is 818-909-9453. That's 818-909-9453. And if there's time at the end, I will repeat that if somebody will remind me to do that. Okay, so um, I have two houses in Clubhouse. Um, one of them is called Crowdsource Blindness Solutions, and one of them is called the Braille Cell. Um, Crowdsource Blindness Solutions is really not specifically focused on Braille, but it is focused on all of the issues that go with blindness. The Braille cell is focused specifically on teaching and learning and using Braille. I should probably do more in ACB Braille events. I, I guess um, it's kind of fun to create your own space and I'm not um, particularly partial to uh, promote one organization over the other, um, which probably is too much of a, a barrier in my mind at this point, but you know, I'm an old man. Um, but uh, so you're welcome to join either of those. And maybe if what's useful here, uh, if people want to talk about tools, we can set up a session in the Braille cell for talking about tools that can be put on handles later. Um, we use a term in my group, uh, in the uh, crowdsource blindness uh, solutions, called blind width. And I, I would like us to kind of think about maybe using this term um, because uh, what I mean by that is we all are familiar with the idea of bandwidth. You know, we've gotten to be able to do some incredibly th incredible things when we got more bandwidth. When, you know, you could use pictures and audio and all that. I go back to 300 baud on my VersaBraille, which was a long time ago, and we only did text. So, um, you know, you're, we're familiar with the concept of bandwidth. M my thought on blind width is there's a certain amount of mental, intellectual, uh, social... Uh, and particularly memory that is required to function successfully as a blind person. And that's what I mean when I say blind width. Um, my objective is always to reduce it. Um, so uh, when you think about a screen and, and uh, a mouse and Authentication. Application. have to Application. use, um, that is, uh, you know, a, a consumption of blind width. Um, I think when we have a, 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 a tool that is easier for us to remember and easier for us to put in our hands, uh, we reduce the amount of blind width we need uh, to do things. And that's what 
uh, this presentation will mainly be about. Um, if you've ever been to an Apple store, they are absolute organized chaos. And what I'm hoping to do maybe is bring a little order to that chaos. Um, so uh, uh, what we're really going to be talking about is um, hotkeys. And hotkeys are really nothing more than triggers for a tool. And I, I may be redundant, but I, I really want this to concept to be clear that a hotkey just triggers a tool and it could be put on anything. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be um, specifically uh, uh, the the hotkey that has been defined. So I feel like I've been talking too long already. Um, are there any questions about what I've said so far? Do we still have a connection? <laughs> Nobody has a hand. Oh, there's a hand. Jewel? I just had a quick question. You mentioned that this is across Apple platforms. So like hotkeys, are those something that you can set up in a, a iPhone as well? I love this question. Jewel, that is a marvelous question. The short answer is yes. I'm going to give you the long answer just in case you don't stick around. And because we're about to play this recording and all I want you to get from this recording is the concept, the mechanics we can worry about later. But the concept of putting a, uh, a handle on a tool here and making that your way of controlling your Mac or your iPhone is a big deal. I think these new e-readers that NLS has given us are great. And my room on Friday morning in the Braille cell is dedicated to two things. One, helping new Braille readers to come along and particularly learning UEB, although some of the books that are in the BANA uh, collection are, still have the old code. But the second one is getting efficient with um, these e-readers. And as people get more and more efficient with e-readers, someday I may have a session on how to use your e-reader as a mouse and a, you know, a keyboard essentially for your iPhone. And when you do that, you will bypass all of the um, purgatory that goes with a touchscreen. Does that help? Oh, you were asking me. I have raised my hand yep. to mention some Julia. Else. I already use my Braille display, my e-reader with my iPhone as um, I use all the like keyboard commands type things for the Braille display. Yeah. So okay, I might good. be interested in coming to help you teach that because I know the chords like chord H for home and all that. Would love so, it. I, I, would yep, love I also that. use a Bluetooth keyboard with my iPhone. So that's okay. another complex part. But um if you would, um, while you're talking, maybe like at one point you could talk about like um, stuff where like it's a rotor and stuff and um, like specifically about world languages, maybe that's a okay. special interest of mine. That's that's good. We'll get to that. I'll tell you what cool. I'm yeah. I've decided. Go ahead. That's OK. Somebody else said something to say. Chanel has her hand raised. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Chanel. Oh, just well, I didn't want to interrupt your thought, but. Uh, you're intriguing me with all this terminology, and I'm trying to get my head around it. But you also just mentioned now, you know, using the Braille display as a mouse or whatever controller for the touch screen. And sometimes I find it like I have a Hable One, and 
I use a Braille display as well. I have a Brilliant, which I think is, I've heard is practically identical to the e-reader. So I might be able to help out and or learn from your group. Um, but I find sometimes it's just easier to put your finger down on the touch screen than it is to use the Braille display commands to flick or move or sometimes the find doesn't. Maybe maybe you've mastered that art, but I'm just curious to know, you know, how you've mastered that art and how, like, if you're talking about using the touch screen or using the Braille display without ever having to touch the touch screen. Chanel, this is a great question. I'll tell you what, it, that really gives me the background for, I think, the recording that I want to play. And I'm going to do that now, and then we'll see how much time we have. I, I would love to get into that a little more. And I have decided that for the sake of this discussion, <laughs> I am not going to try to hide the fact that I'm using voiceover. I usually... If I were in a mainstream environment, I would be more concerned about it, but um, I've got enough going on here with all of these different, um, you know, engineering is not the thing that I really like. I'm more interested in the content. So um, I'm going to play this recording, and then uh, let's talk about it. I start everything from the desktop. And I start voiceover with a chord V. Opening voiceover utility. And we are now in a voiceover utility. Voiceover utility. Utility. Window. Utility categories. Building. Table. General. So whether you focus. interact with it or not depends on many factors beyond what we're talking about here. The first thing you come into is general, which affects the way voiceover acts. It has nothing to do with what we're discussing today. Verbosity. Verbosity is, uh, doesn't affect what we're going to do today. However, I do want to show you one thing. Speech. In Verbosity, there are several tabs. There is a speech tab. Braille. There is a Braille tab. So if you wanted to come back and work on Braille Verbosity, you would go to this tab. Text. There is a text tab. Announcements. And there is an announcements tab. Text. Braille. Speech. Utility categories. Table. Now, Verbosity. we're not going to talk about those, though. We're back in the hallway, and now we're going to go down. Utility categories. Table. To. Speech. Speech. And speech and sound is not the same thing. I will uh, show you what I mean about that in a second. Navigation. Navigation affects the way voiceover interacts with the cursor. It is a topic worthy of discussion, but not today. What? This affects how voiceover acts on the web. Sound. This is a tab that affects the sound in voiceover, but does not necessarily affect the voices. If you wanted a different uh, language or a different speech, a sappy speech, you would go in speech. Here, if you want to affect uh, the volume of the sound and that sort of thing, this is where you would go. Visuals. This is both a low vision and a blindness product, so there is a visuals category. Commanders. So there is a commanders tab. This is a rack of tools. And there is a numpad. numpad commander, which affects the numpad of your keyboard. There is a keyboard. keyboard commander, which is if you use the right or left option key, you now have handles for your tools. Quick nav. And there is a quick nav uh, tool rack which has fewer tools and uh, is way beyond the scope of what I want to talk about today. Keyboard, numpad, utility categories, table, command, utility categories, table, commanders, selected, rail, 
Now we're going to go to the Braille keyboard tab. And in here we have also tabs. Translation. We have a translation tab because remember this is multiple languages. Layout. We have a layout tab. Status. We have a status tab. Displays. And this is the one we want VO space. Displays. We're in the tab. Displays four four. Tab. Braille displays. Table. Row one one. Only freedom one scientific display. focus. Forty blue. Primary. It's USB connection. Freedom scientific. Uh, Forty blue. So, uh, if I had an additional key, uh, Braille display, it would go in this table. Freedom scientific focus 40 blue. Assign commands. Button. We're going to go into the assign commands uh, uh, dialog. Braille input commands. Table. No selection. Select or add a row and press command B. You'll have five seconds to press the Braille keys you want to assign to a voiceover command. That message is actually not accurate, but it is to the left of the table I am about to open by interacting. In Braille input commands. Table. Row 1 of 111. Braille display keys. Right panning. Command pan right. Menu button. Select. Braille display keys. Right panning. Defined. And it is on the right side of this tool rack. The tool is right panning. If I go to the left, Braille display keys. Right panning. It'll say Braille display keys because the column is Braille display keys and the key is also right panning. So as you can see, the naming of these tools can be quite confusing. Now I want to go to the bottom of this tool rack. So I'm going to press a chord 456. Command open application, automator, menu button, row and 111, the last 111. key I have is automator. Now I use chords to open commands and I'm going to go up to the beginning of what that is. When I want to launch an app, I use a chord. Open application on the Pro menu button. And this shows what it, what I mean. The right hand side of this column is called Open Application Amadeus Pro. What keystroke do I use for it? Braille display keys. Dot one plus space bar. Dot one plus space bar. Now I hate the way that Apple has set this up. I would much prefer they call it. In this case, it's not bad if they call it dot one space bar, but. I would prefer it to be called a dot one chord. We'll talk a little bit more about this as we go. But this this is uh, not an ideal way to name keys. And if you wanted to complain to Apple about it, you could. You would simply send a note to accessibility at apple.com and tag this recording if you want, or just say, uh, if you can articulate it better than I, say, this is hard to listen to and hard to read. If you could, uh, just say the dots without the pluses and chord or dot seven or dot eight since dot seven and dot eight are modifiers it would work far better command open application on the pro okay, menu so button. now we're on the right side of this tool rack open application card hop menu button i open card hop with a c chord open application club deck menu button i open club deck with a ch sign chord a dot one six chord Braille display keys dot one plus dot six plus space bar you see dot one plus dot six plus spacebar or dot one six chord. Better way to say it. Command open application, club deck, menu button. Open application, contacts, menu button. I open contacts with the CON chord. Let's not talk about UEB at this point. Go to desktop, menu button. I go to desktop with a D chord. Go to dock, menu button. I launch the dock with a dot seven chord. Remember, you have modifiers here. You can use the dot seven, the dot eight, the spacebar, or any combination of them. So Opening apps to me is a chord. Uh, launching a center or something of that nature, I use a dot seven. 
Open utility. Mail. Menu button. I open the email with an E chord. Open application. Text edit. Menu button. I open text edit with... Let's look at this again. Real display keys. Dot one plus dot two plus dot four plus dot six plus space bar. Dot one plus dot two plus dot four plus dot six plus space bar. By the way, on the display, it's using the Audio now B plus sign, so it's really hard to read. Um, it would be far easier if it just said dot one two four six space bar. What is dot one two four six? It's an ED sign, so it's an ED chord. Command open application, text edit, menu button, open application, team viewer, menu button. I open team viewer with an ER sign chord. Open application, FaceTime, menu button. I open FaceTime with an F chord. Find next search text, menu Find button. Find next search text um, is dot uh, .8F because all of my things for find are with dot .8. Toggle contracted braille on or off, menu button. Talk to, toggle contracted braille on or off, uh, I use a dot .7G. Keyboard help, menu button. Keyboard help, a dot seven K. Open application, messages, menu button. Open messages is a, uh, uh, an M chord. Open notification center, menu button. Notification center is a dot seven N. Open application, notes, menu button. Notes is an N chord. Open application, numbers, menu button. What do you think I use to open numbers? Real display keys, dot three plus dot four plus dot five plus dot six plus space bar. Dot three plus dot four plus dot five plus dot six plus space bar or what's dot three, four, five, six? a number sign so the application numbers is opened with a number sign select a command and press one or more keys on the real display to assign now them to here's the command. an interesting one this is uh, a handle that is reserved for a future tool that tool will mute my mic when i am in clubhouse what do you think i use for that real display keys dot one plus dot two plus dot three plus dot five plus dot six plus dot seven dot one two three five six what is that it's an OF sign. So it's a OF.7 will ultimately be a tool that I hope I someday have, which I will have to add to this tool rack. And that will turn the mic on and off. Command, select a command and press one or open application, pages, menu button. I open pages with a P chord. So this gives you a rough idea of how um, I suggest that you set these up. Now, when you're done with setting up your keys. Out of real input commands, table. It is a good idea Add button. Remove. Done. Default. to button. make sure you hit the done button. Assign commands. Button. You will go back to the assign commands tab. You're still within your voiceover control panel. Finder. Desktop. Macintosh HD. Close volume. your voiceover control panel. And you're now back on the, ta uh, the desktop. There are 10 ideas that you might want to think about as you create keystrokes. One, obviously we're doing this with Braille keystrokes, so they're easier to remember. Two, you want them to be as easy to execute as possible, meaning as few keys as necessary and, particularly if it's a frequently used one, because if you hit a keystroke that has two or three or four keys in it, there's always a chance that it won't, uh, you won't hit all of them or release all of them at the proper time and you'll get the wrong command. And think about which hand you read with. So if you're going to read predominantly with your left hand, put keys on the right hand that you want to use for um, moving while you watch the display. Uh, thing number three, remember in modifiers you have a, on my keyboard at least, or on most braille keyboards, you have a dot seven, a space bar, and a dot eight that can all be modifiers and any combinations. So Authentication, application, seven, application. Uh, braille keystrokes, dot eight, uh, eight braille keystrokes, 
spacebar braille keystrokes, dot seven spacebar, dot eight spacebar, and dot seven eight spacebar, giving you plenty of available keystrokes. Uh, number four, uh, the names of your display keys are set by the manufacturer. It may be difficult to deal with them, like I have a rocker and nav rocker. Um, but if you will memorize those and be sure you know what they're referring to before you create keystrokes, you will make your life easier. Uh, number five, uh, in the old world, uh, keys were always direct execute. But many keys are now secondary execute. What I mean is, think of a right click. It opens another menu. As you create your keystrokes, be aware of whether you're gonna open a menu or not so that your hands are in the right place. Uh, number six, leave all your regular Braille display keys alone because you will still be able to enter things in Braille. In other words, if you have a modifier a spacebar or either seven and eight, then uh, your keystroke is not a keystroke, but if it's just the regular six dot braille keys, you can still enter uh, braille and even grade two if you have the proper trans uh, later on. Number seven, leave your display keys um, for braille functions only. Don't try to open something with them. Uh, number eight, Take the time to keep your tool shed organized. And I, I really uh, wish I had more time to go into what I mean by that. But as you create these keystrokes, you will find that uh, you will want to be able to quickly go back to where they are stored. You don't have to use my logic, but create a logic and follow that logic. Number nine, understand the tool as well as possible before you put a permanent keystroke on it. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of tools here. They're poorly labeled in, in uh, the Apple side. You often don't know what a key is going to do by its cryptic name. So I have a test keystroke that I use uh, when I put a keystroke on a function. And I don't put it in my memory bank or even in the right place in my tool shed until I really know what it's going to do. And number 10, be sure and test and save your keys frequently because a lot can go wrong when you're creating keystrokes. Amadeus Pro, Saturday Final MP3, window. Saturday Final MP3, window. Okay, sorry about the fire thing at the end. <laughs> uh, that scared me. Am I unmuted? And did you guys hear that? And does anybody have any questions? Yes, you're unmuted. We do have a couple hands here in Zoom. Okay. Jewel? Sorry. Um, so, um, question first. You've mentioned a lot of like opening apps with hotkeys and stuff. I've not seen that available on the phone. Am I missing something? Okay, Jewel, this is a great question. And your earlier question about it was also very useful about, you know, why, I don't know whether it's you or Chanel that asked this question, why would you want to do it on the phone? I guess Chanel asked this. Yeah, that was Chanel. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good question. The, the short answer is that on my Mac, I don't like having to VO around to find things. And yes, I know first letter navigation can be used, but... Um, you know, I just find that it's it's a lot of mental baggage to do. 
On the phone specifically for opening apps, I don't know the answer to that question today. Um, I would imagine that that will be possible, but uh, I have to, to be honest with you, I don't know how to do it right now. At some point, I will try to learn to do that, though. Awesome. So can I Thank just you. mention something regarding the phone and Braille where I think it's going to differ than the Mac a little bit? Go ahead, Herbie. Um, so the, the the thing with the phone is it's um, I the only way the you have a do you have a shortcut way if you use Braille screen input to open apps and that's if you put your phone in Braille screen input you can use Braille to um, open apps like by typing in the first few letters I don't know if that can be simulated though with a Braille display. I um, don't think it's no. available today. No, it's I don't not. think that's okay. available today. And that is one of the, go ahead, Chanel. Go ahead. You're going to say something. No. Okay. Um, that is one of the. That is one of the things that I think is uh, a challenge. Go ahead, Derby. Okay. Okay. More questions. Are you ready for another hand, uh, Lester? Yep. You can unmute. All done. Audio now unmuted. This has nothing. Hand now lowered. Can you guys hear me? We yes. can, Lester. It's left the meeting. Okay. I apologize for cutting in, but I got a reconditioned computer from the computer for the blind. My other headset wouldn't work in it. I had to buy a new one. So I'm checking it because I just got both the new headset and the reconditioned computer. And I wanted to make sure they both were working. So okay. we can hear. Yeah. We can. Do, mm -hmm. do you have any questions about Braille? Hey. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I don't mean that's to okay. Be weird, but thank I you. Had... Okay. Okay. Next, have we have nice Chanel. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. I tried to write them down. Um, so, just uh, the one you actually mentioned. You said you created something in uh, to mute your mic in Club Deck. So, did you have to create like an Apple script or something first to mute? Because that muting your mic in Club Deck is like a, a keyboard. It doesn't have any, you know, voiceover component to it. Unless you I created some question. sort of script to launch with voiceover. Yeah. Your brilliant husband will help me clarify this, um, actually. <laughs> um, he is very brilliant. Um, <laughs> what I meant and what I should have said is mute my mic, not in Club Deck, but in... Um, in loopback because what what I'm really needing to do is not mute my mic in Clubhouse because if I muted my mic you wouldn't hear the recording. Right, so for, right. For example, I, I get it. To, I use loopback all the time. Okay, so what I really meant was loop mute my mic in the current active environment for. Uh, loopback, and it's a really good question. If I had done that, you wouldn't have heard this fire uh, uh, alarm. The only practice. way I know that though is to VO to it, and then VO space, huh? Well, but suppose a... suppose for the sake of discussion, uh, there mm -hmm. was an automator way to to do right. that. Right. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. I don't have that tool right now, but I have reserved that tool in my tool rack. I'm not going to use those keystrokes. Because I think it would be a great keystroke for that purpose if I ever get that tool. Now, if right. I get that tool, I'm going to have to put it in the 
right side of this shed, tool shed, and then I'm going to have to link that tool to that keystroke. And, you know... Yeah, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, any of these things are easy in theory. In practice, they're much harder. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, I think um, Darcy uh, Bernard has some sort of Apple script for muting a microphone, but I'm not sure how well it works in all of the different, you know, loopback sessions. Um, but, yeah, you could theoretically assign, like... With keyboard commander, at least you're able to assign a keyboard command to the script. So I assume it would be the same in Braille. Now, one thing that really annoys me in Braille, my other question is, you know, the you can't turn off like hints in Braille. You can turn them off in the regular, but you, there's other things like, you know, speak um, an item's help tag or whatever that I don't necessarily want to hear want to read in braille maybe i want to hear it in voice maybe not but i have to turn off all of those in the regular like um hints for boss there's no braille hints for bossity i don't know i am i am i wrong about that or have you ever i found, think or you're you wrong okay. let's try this now are you hearing not my voiceover yes all right let's try this i'm going to go voiceover 2434 I really shouldn't do this, but I, I, you, I love your question. Now, whoops, verbosity is where I want to go. Speech. Yep. Braille. And I want to go to Braille. Selected. Braille. Tab. Two text. Announcements. Hints. Low. Default Braille verbosity. Now, Pop -up button. I have low default Braille verbosity. Mm-hmm. I think you're set to a higher one. If you go to low Braille verbosity, I don't think you'll see as much. You are okay. right about this and by the way this brings up something that i'm really interested in knowing what you people think about this i think ueb is terrific mm -hmm. the reason i think ueb is terrific is we can make perfect round trips in braille we now can really believe that if we put something in in grade two and then it goes to print and then it comes back it will be right if we use proper code yep. Yep. I hate the verbosity of UEB. In other words, yeah. I don't really care whether something is italics to one letter or italics the whole word or italics the whole passage. All of that stuff is really, I get that if you're a Braille transcriber, you need to put that in. But as a reader, it slows me down. Now, what I would love to see, and uh, let me just say it kind of gently, um, I think someday I may have the power to do this. I would love to see a Braille display manufacturer uh, give me the ability to drop out some of those UEB contract uh, uh, symbols for print formatting that I don't want to see. That is what I call metadata. And I think in paper Braille, there is too much data and metadata that's mixed. And I hope I haven't horrified anybody in the audience. If anybody's horrified, you know, please raise your hand and tell me right now. But I think that would be a useful thing to, to have. I actually don't see a lot of that in electronic Braille, at least for now. But I agree with you in principle. Anyway, okay. I should let somebody else speak. But thank you so much for You're opening a new can of worms, humoring, humoring me and answering my question. <laughs> so thanks. Yes. And Herbie, I agree. It is a can of worms. Um, Nikki, since this is your, uh, your room, what do you think about that idea? I think it's a good idea. I mean, I, like Chanel, don't see a whole lot of it. But what I do see is it does slow me down. So I, I do think it's a good idea. I, I well, do have I, a 
couple of comments on Chanel, the the last talking points, if I may. Okay, if not, that's you you may, but, but let me finish this with with yeah. uh, uh, Nikki first. I don't see a lot of it either, but here's my concern. Uh, it, it's it's a global concern. When I try to teach new people to read Braille, and particularly adults, they get frustrated with all these things they don't know, and it becomes a stumbling block. And I try to teach them to skip it, but when they're not sure of what is and isn't valuable, it really slows them down. So I think if we could mark those things as metadata and not display them unless somebody wants them, we would increase the usefulness of Braille for people who are not good Braille readers. Now, Herbie, I would be happy to hear your comment. Well, first, I want to remind the Clubhouse people, you can definitely speak. Just hit that request to speak button, or if you're on Club Deck, it is actually raise your hand. Um, um, and then just two things. First of all, Loopback, I think, I, I, in the, and this kind of is a question slash comment, I think what you need is a way to create a path to a thing that does not have a specific command. Like, I do not know of any built-in shortcut ways of, like, finding your mic within a session and muting it. You have to get about it the long, long way around. So you need some kind of... This is maybe where you need a shortcut that could specifically point to a command. So I think the problem is, is you need a pointer, not just a commander. And you need a pointer to create a commander that does not exist. And I'm probably making your all's head spin, and this is where we need Darcy. Um because this is going well beyond my pay grade. Um, but I think that is the problem with trying to create a Braille shortcut to like being able to mute your actual mic within a session. It's one thing to mute the session itself or mute the mic. Within, right. Like, we, we, we agree. We agree. Um, my comment on the reading Braille. So, okay, I will start with this with the caveat that I am not a long-term braille reader i do know how to read braille i will read it for braille menus i will read room numbers things like that but do not ask me to read a braille novel or a braille book i refuse because i just my mind does not work that way um for long periods anyway so but i understand th this is going to the whole point of should a whole word be italicized and all that. Um, and I realize we're getting out of the realm of digital Braille here, Nikki, so if uh, you, you know you can stop me at any time. I understand the idea behind UEB was to make things equal between Braille readers and print readers. And I, as much as I've never liked the idea of changing the code, I've, I've got to say from a digital Braille aspect, and I've talked about this with Braille screen input, I like the fact that I can use UEB to create email addresses and web addresses and things like that, like when using Braille screen input, because I am a Braille writer, not a Braille reader. But I'm not a Brailler. Um, or maybe I am a Brailler. I don't know. But so I understand with UEB now that what they're trying to do is they're making it so that we understand the exact same text that print readers are. And so this brings up the question, should we be given special abilities as Braille readers that print readers don't have with knowing if what is and what is not italicized? And, you know, do you justify that as, oh, well, we read slower, so we need less. But then you also have the equality argument. Does that make us less equal than sighted people because we need these special privileges? And so, so though, I, and, and I don't have an answer. It's a good question. And Nikki, if you ever wanted to have a room on that, we could have that discussion. But I think 
I think that's uh, so far away from what we need to talk about today. I'm a little concerned about time, but it's a good point, Herbie. Okay, we do have a couple hands here in Zoom. Yeah, let's see who we have next. Lynn Snyder. Hi, everybody. And the discussion that you were just having um, is near and dear to my heart because I am somebody who does not like my braille display real estate taken up with all these symbols and things I don't really care about. You know, I think that I, I hear you, I see what Herbie's saying is, should we have the, should we be able to not have those things? Um, if we want to, it should, because we read slower or whatever. It's not just that we read slower. It's the fact that we're looking at things one line at a time and some people only have 20 cell braille displays. I'm lucky to have a 40 cell, but it's, I've had to pan five or six times through links, through stuff that UEB stuff that I don't even understand and don't care exactly. about. Exactly. And, and, and so, I think it, so it is different for us because of the way that we read with a braille display. Right. And I think on paper, what I'm talking about is not a reasonably good idea. I mean, I would never propose that NLS in its, in its e-braille drop those symbols. Never would I propose that. Mm -hmm. What I'm suggesting is simply that when you have a dedicated braille device, like, you know, the chameleon or, or any future device, there could be a software command that just says, metadata, you know, it lets you define what you consider metadata. But for example, I don't like when I go to the top of a screen and my braille display says top of screen. I know what's at the or top of document. I know what's at the top of that document, but this is a problem when you have speech because what does the speech user get? So the part of the challenge is that uh, while I recognize how wonderful speech was for us as a community, and I don't ever want to be uh, guilty of saying speech is bad, because I, I don't believe that, actually. I mean, but I, I do joke with people all the time about if you can't touch it, is it really Braille? And I, and I feel very strongly about that. But, you know, the thing we can't do is read and write at the same time, and speech allows that. The other thing that speech does really well, I think, is allow people to learn their Braille, because they have some kind of feedback. You know, I took all my notes in college on a slate and stylus, and um, the only person that read my Braille was me. <laughs> So, you know, a lot of bad habits when I started printing it out. Um, but my, my point simply is, in a refreshable display, it's, it's a discussion we might want to have at some point. Okay. okay. So next, next we have Jewel. Okay, Jewel. So I want to first mention something about the metadata, and then I have a question. Um, I personally feel that being able to turn that on and off would be a good thing. Having the option to turn it on would be important, definitely, not getting rid of it completely. Because, like, for example, if I'm writing a Word document, I really need to know if I'm bolding or italicizing, and that would be really important to know. Um, or if I'm reading a Word document to edit, and like especially like a textbook, you know, the italicized words would be, you know, Vocabulary words, for example, oftentimes those are italicized or bolded. Um, so that would definitely have its place. Um, but if I'm just reading a website, sometimes I don't need to. And sometimes like if I'm just reading 
you know, random stuff, I really don't need that bold and italic and all that stuff. There's no way to turn that off. You know, like talk documents and um, speech on and off. Like if I turn off the speech, I don't need it. My braille display to say speech off. (laughs) I got to wait for it to go away. So that kind of metadata would be useful to be able to turn it off and just let it speak it and then go away. Um, The question I have was specifically about the hotkeys. And I'm wondering, and this could be for Mac, maybe for iPhone, whatever. Um, is there a way to do a hotkey for an app-specific command? For example, in Zoom, um, the equivalent of the uh, control option Y, I think it is. The, yes. The mute and unmute yes. the raise hand. Awesome. Okay, yes. so that's my question with that. First of all, thank you for your point. I'm glad to hear everybody agrees with this metadata question. This is exciting to me. Uh, this The answer to your other question is, what I'm talking about today is how to put a, uh, a handle on a tool. If that tool exists in VoiceOver, it can be done. So for example, I want an option left and an option right arrow key uh, to move to the left or the right side of my line because the braille is often not where I want it or an option up and an option down for the same reason, to move to the top or the bottom of the document. I don't want to have to think about uh, beginning of document versus beginning of visible document. But this is a problem that is inevitable when we are dealing with a print environment. I mean, what we have, whether we like it or not, is not designed for us. It is a bridge for us to use what is designed for sighted people. and. You know, I know there were people in the in the early days of VersaBrails and Braille and Speaks and so forth who would call these products ghetto products. And I never appreciated that because as far as I'm concerned, if you're able to use it and get a job done, then it's not a ghetto product. I don't buy a drill because I want a drill. I buy a drill because I want a hole. Now, I feel like I'm not really answering your question. The answer is if you can put the tool on the right side of the uh, tool rack in the voiceover control panel, you can have it. Which is not really a good answer. It's, it's you know, this is, an, <laughs> this is why I like to talk about blind width because I've given you half an answer. I've said, you know, uh, that you need to know to, to, how to do something that I don't know how to do. This is why, you know, I love the reference to Darcy. If Darcy someday wants to come into the Braille seller, I'll do it here. I don't have a strong feeling about using uh, ACB versus using my my club, other than that I'm not really good at going through all of the, um, how do I say it, all of the overhead of scheduling an ACB room. I'm more interested in content. So I'll be happy to do it here. I'll be happy to do it in the Braille cell, but this is where we need someone who really knows the Apple tools and how to create them. And Darcy is a good example. So if somebody wants to put that together, I'll be glad to volunteer my room for it, or it can be done here. I'll okay. come. Okay. I have a follow-up, very specific question, if that's mm-hmm. okay. Hey, Jewel, mm-hmm. we have two, yeah. we have three okay. hands. So back. put your hand up again if you want to. Yeah. So Kim. Hello. Hey, Kim. I have a Focus 40 on yep. my Apple computer. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what bothers me 
it's not so much, I'm like they say, I'm not seeing a whole lot of UEB, but I'm not at the point yet where I want to turn my verbosity or voiceover totally off. And so I, I'll be reading an article or starting to read one, and voiceover starts talking to me, but I also see it on the braille display, like, you are at a link inside of this. And I'm like, I know, they just did that. I want to see the, the braille, I want to see the article. And so I have to wait for that little thing to go away so I can read the article. That's what I was talking Is about. Is there another way to do that besides turning it totally off? I still need some hints for what I need to do. Yeah, I, I, but I, I wish understand. I talk and not show in Braille. You know. I understand. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I understand your problem. Um, yeah, the short like, the short answer is I don't know exactly uh, the best way to do that because you essentially suggested two very different uh, tools. One is mm -hmm. to mute your voiceover speech, and I don't think that's what you want, but it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. there, I, yeah. I can mute my voiceover speech with a key on my uh, on my braille display. I think mm -hmm. that would frustrate you though. Uh, the second thing you're asking is about the unnecessary characters that are being put up, and if that's what you're concerned about, I would encourage you to turn to a high, to a to low verbosity. I don't think it would hurt you at all because as long as your speech is running, where it would hurt you is if you turned your speech off. Yeah, I don't want it all the way off. I, I so there's yeah. there's only a low verbosity. There's no no verbosity. Okay. Well, there's low verbosity for Braille and there's low verbosity for speech. So my suggestion is high verbosity for speech and low verbosity for Braille. And it, this this is way beyond where I want to go today, but you could even go into the table for customized verbosity and turn everything off. I think that actually would be a, a useful thing to do. Um, so what I'm suggesting is that speech would always give you metadata. Braille would never give you metadata. That, to me, would be a pretty good scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. Dan Miner? So I wanted to touch base on this metadata concept that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm a software developer, and I, I use my Braille display and whatnot. And... I understand what you're talking about, but I want you to also understand that you're being a little simplistic here because what italicize, right? For example, you were using that as metadata and it is metadata. It's, it's something that if you're like in HTML, you see it uh, in a tag and it, it's very bound. But the thing you have to understand about with a Braille display, particularly when you're using it on like, your iPhone, it is, in what's called a terminal mode. And so all that metadata is scrubbed away. It sees none of it. And there is so many layers of APIs and whatnot that this thing that you're wishing for is actually an application level feature. And so it's not really in the Braille. 
It's in the rendering of information to the, to the terminal. Dan, I love this point. Let me try to restate it and see if you and I are on the same page, because I love what you've said, and I don't disagree with you. Um, what I was talking about mainly was not something on, say, the desktop or in a given program. I was thinking mainly about just reading. So if I have um, a book, let's, let's talk about specifically a word, uh, well, either a book or a document in a word processor. I think the document in the word processor maybe is the better one to talk about. If I have a pages document, what you just said is the Braille display is going to render what is sent to it through the, the app. Why shouldn't I be able, in pages specifically, to say, turn off uh, the uh, metadata, but it would still be available in, in uh, other, if I alt-tabbed to something else, it would still be there. Why couldn't I do that? Well, you're asking every application developer out there to make special rendering for a what they would perceive as a low incident device. And you just do it in voiceover, though. I mean, like voiceover is That's notifying right. you of those bolds and italics, and couldn't voiceover do that no, so that you could no, turn and voiceover is not doing that. That's the key. But yeah. could they? It could if there was an API. This goes to the accessibility model that is defined within software and applications and screen readers. And it's very flat. It has very little metadata in it. Um, and so what you're, what you're speaking to is a need to enrich that area so we can toggle and filter and alter the way that is rendered. And when we approach vendors and softwares, we got to know how to phrase it to them because they're thinking in a certain way. They're thinking print. And print goes through, oh, what is it, about five levels of APIs to get to what they see on the screen. And, and that's in a simple case. When you start getting into the 3D projections, one, it gets worse. And when you look at Braille and speech, they are bolting that on top of that infrastructure and they strip out a lot of that data. And so when it finally gets to like LibLewis, which is a very famous piece of software for translating. Yep, yep. Okay, so excuse me, Nikki, it is 10 minutes till, well, probably eight minutes till now. Sorry, Nikki. It is boiled down to just a string of text and that metadata, that stuff that you, you will wanna pull out is now, it's semantically gone. It's rendered. And so you have to reverse it. And now you're asking the Braille terminal to figure it out. Or I, I love this it. point. I absolutely love this point. And I, I, I love Nikki's point as well, that this is something where it's done would be important. I think what you said is, you don't disagree with it conceptually from a very high level that it would be useful, but you're thinking about the mechanics and saying this would be hard to do from a programming standpoint. Did I understand you on a, on a macro level? Yes, exactly. It's going to take, it's not a one player fix. It's actually a cooperation between the ecosystems of, of information. I agree with um, that. You know, the closest place I could see even coming close to realizing this, if we talked to uh, like, American Printing House with the new EBRF e format, the 3.0 that they're working on for things like uh, Monarch and such. There, we will have metadata 
And that's a place where we could start the conversation. I love this conversation. I'm sorry that our time is getting short, but you, you and I absolutely completely agree. And all I wanted to articulate at this point is a concept because if we don't start with what we want, we end up with nothing. But I, I like tight circling. And uh, anytime you want to continue this discussion, I'm up for it. Thank you, Nikki. This has been a lot of fun. I hope it uh, wasn't too complex. Okay. Um, I don't see Nikki here anymore. Um, and it is like 10 minutes, well, probably five minutes till the top of the hour. And we do have two raised hands. Chanel, what do I do? So, yeah, mine is just real quick. So um, in JAWS, I'm sorry to mention the other screen readers, but you can actually turn marking off um, mm -hmm. or indicate. So, you know, it, it that is, I don't know how that relates to your discussion because some of it is controlled by the Braille display, but you can, you know, or you can set marking for things like bold, whatever, and it's indicated with dot seven and eight, so it's not really a true representation, but you can turn that off, and that's all I have. What I like about Dan's point is not only do we need to um, have the concept, but we need to have good tight language for it. So thank you, Chanel. That's useful. Yes. And the other hand? Okay. Um, it's about three minutes till. Um, Doreen, do you want to come talk about what's happening for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I can do that. Um, if now's a good time. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Thanks, Danette, and thanks, Alan. This has been a fantastic discussion. Um, so, upcoming in Braille. Voice over Today, utility. Saturday, we've got plenty no. more uh, going on. At 3 p.m. Eastern, we've got the Dots of May. We're continuing our calendar call. We'll talk a little bit about the calendars available from NLS, and we'll get into the San Francisco Lighthouse for the Blinds calendar. Then at 6 p.m. Eastern, we've got Weekend Braille together, and tonight is the Braille Bowl. It's our quiz-style game. We'll get into teams and have a lot of fun. Hope everyone can join us. Sundays and Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, we have our Braille rooms where you can show up and work on any Braille-related stuff. Uh, this coming Tuesday at 2.30 p.m., this is the only one well, not on our community call schedule, by the way, but the Braillists across the pond, they're talking about Braille indicators, which is very relevant for today. So capital indicators, type form indicators, those bolds and italics. That's 2.30 p.m. Eastern. That's their master class. So you do need to register for that at braillists.org slash events. Then nothing on the schedule for Wednesday, but Thursday at noon Eastern is I Love Braille. It'll be the poll star where someone presents about their journey in Braille. Um, then we've got uh, the next Saturday, which will be the 20th uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our weekend Braille together will be Braille learning options, all the ways you can go about learning Braille. And then the following Saturday, the 27th, we'll be back here with Nikki at 1 p.m. for doing Braille Digitally. And we can Braille together at 6 p.m. that evening. We'll be doing uh, more more games. So with that, back over to Danette or Nikki, maybe joined again. Oh, <laughs> I'm back. I, I am so sorry. I lost my internet connection temporarily. It just dropped out on me. So Ooh, I, I apologize to everyone. Um, but thank you very much, Dorlin. And thank you, Danette, for letting her do her thing. And uh, all right, it's 1.58. Thank you very much, um, Alan, for being here. Um, I feel like we barely scratched the surface and there could be more to cover here. So we may have to ask you to come back on, in the future. I'll be doing it. Uh, okay, great. And uh, 
I definitely will be investigating more of those Braille options with the Mac. Again, Brad, thank you for streaming, broadcasting, and moderating. 